or we're in life in Christ part two and apocalypse. You're going to understand that in a little bit more. Um, it's interesting how when you use a word, it automatically generates a reaction. One of the things that Paul starts this out after his introduction and after, you know, like talking about several concerns, there, there's a certain way of, of make known. Gnorizo means to give to understand or to certify and gnosko is to know absolutely, and that is the base of that word. So in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11, but I make known to you, which means give to understand, certify, to know absolutely, but I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. Okay, so the point of what Paul is saying, the gospel is not according to man, which can be, which can be opinionated and reasoned out and, and, you know, logically reasoned, and it would make to a certain, certain set of people. Have you ever found that when you walk into a room and you think something makes logical sense to you and you try to tell that to another person and they look at you and they say, that doesn't make any sense at all, you know? So, so the gospel message is not according to man. Okay, it's not taught by man, not certified, not able to point to credentials, not up for comparison, i.e., I went to Harvard or I went to Cambridge. It's not that way. But for I neither, in verse 12, for I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation, the Greek word for that is apocalypsis, which is where we get apocalypse. It means to reveal what is revealed, to, to disclose, to make information known with an implication that the information can be understood. Apocalypse in the dictionary stands for destruction. If you were to look at the dictionary definition right now, it would be destruction. But you go back and you look up the 1826 version of that word and you will find that it wasn't always that way, that you will find that it meant to disclose and to discover. So somehow that word over the time period has morphed into meaning something that it was not the original meaning in the Greek. It meant to reveal. When we talk about the apocalypse is coming, wrong context. Because when I come over and I say, I am going to open this up and I'm going to, I'm going to allow the apocalypse of this passage to give you meaning, meaning I'm going to disclose something. I'm going to give mystery or I'm going to open up a mystery. And the mystery that was opened was Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the savior of the world. Everybody who was waiting all during this period of time from all the way from Adam and Eve, all the way till now, the mystery that was opened up, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the gospel message and you say apocalypse, and it's like, oh, it's the end of the world. No. Revelation, the book of Revelation is apocalyptic because it reveals, it makes known, it discloses information with the, with the deal that it will be understood. And you may think, well, I've read Revelation. It's really hard to understand. Not going to say it doesn't take some work. I'm just saying. But 
it is with the intention not to hide, but to disclose, to reveal. So Paul's whole point to the next statements are all making this point, verses 11 and 12, all making this, the revelation of Jesus Christ is not by man. The gospel of Christ is not by man. You can't argue it. You can't debate it. You can disagree with it. You cannot listen to it, but you can't argue it. Okay. So verse 13, for you have heard of, of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who prepared me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. You'll notice there on the left-hand side, or to you, the right-hand side, the red lines are basically the showing. You'll show from Jerusalem to Damascus is this first one, and then from Damascus to Arabia, and then back, and then back to Jerusalem, and then traveling all throughout that area. So that kind of gives you a good reference of what we're going to be talking about here in the next little bit. But I, he's basically saying, I did not go for information to hear opinions of my Savior. I learned from my Savior. I learned from God. See, our relationship with God through Jesus does not need to be based on another person's opinions. It should be based on the relationship that we have with God through Jesus. Okay. And it's so very, very, very important to actually understand that in that relationship, in reading the word, which is our guide in reading and, and following after allowing our lives to change, because who is the changer of hearts? It's definitely not other people. How many times have people told us what we should do and we end up still not doing it because we know that what we should do, but we don't really necessarily want to do it. So we end up doing what we want to do rather than what we should do. Okay, so who's the one that changes hearts? And that's God. That's that, that's that inner working in our hearts to build us into that image of a person that he's making us into so that we can stand there, not because of somebody's opinion about God, but because I know. Now, sometimes you may get to the point of your relationship with God because you heard somebody else say something, and that's fine. It's perfectly fine. But I will note that the only person that can come to know Jesus is because God draws him or her. Okay, so just a little note on that one. You may have heard or seen something from another person and been inspired or been been basically like pricked on the heart to actually come to, but it's because God is drawing you. And when you come to know Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, then it's that relationship that starts. But it's not about that person that did it as good as they may be. It's about my relationship with Jesus. It's, and my dad put it this way. I know that I know that I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me and rose again. It's no question. It's not a question. You can, you can try to debate it, I guess. 
but that you're only confirming your own doubt at that point. You're not, you're not talking about my doubt. I have no doubt about what I believe. That's your doubt. And if you want somebody to walk you down that, that line, that's what we're here for is to long suffering, to walk a person down and to be that person and to be that light. Now, we also know in today's day and age, how many people have used the term, well, God told me to do that and it has been abused and it has been used and it's been used a lot in order to do a lot of atrocities down through history. But here's the thing. Jesus says, love one another. The fruit of the spirit that glorifies God, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control found in Galatians, by the way, chapter five, anybody acting outside of those things, those lines in dealing with people, events, or situations are not in the character or the following after the spirit of God by sheer definition. Because a person who is following after Christ, a person who is following after God, is going to learn to look at people the way Christ on the cross saw people. And what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So by sheer definition, if you see a person who says, well, God told me to, and a whole bunch of horrible things are actually happening afterward that is not in the character of God. So you look at the litmus test of who God is and the love of Christ. God loved us enough that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for us while we were still sinners while we had not done anything to improve ourselves or to make ourselves quote unquote better because we can never be better or good enough and said and had his son and Jesus stayed on that cross to die on the cross for us so that we might be that new creation. And all we have to do is be, is look to him. That's it. How did Jesus actually compare it? Just as Moses raised the serpent in the wilderness that people who had been bitten could look at and be saved. Turns out I'm a sinner in needing of salvation and I need to look to Jesus to find my salvation and to find my healing. So continuing on Galatians 1 verse 18, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter. And remained with him 15 days, but I saw none. So, so we have three years there. Notice that. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed, before God, I do not lie. Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they were hearing only he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith, which he once tried to destroy and they glorified God in me. So after three years of just doing, just following after Jesus, following after God, getting into the relationship, moving in that mode and ministering the love of Jesus Christ to people after three years, then he finally did. But notice at the very last piece, the very last verse, what does it say? And they glorified God in me. What was the takeaway? It wasn't about what he did. 
It wasn't about how good of speaker he was. It wasn't about how many people filled the building. It's not about how many people he baptized or led to belief in Jesus. No, what they said was this. God did a great work in him and God be glorified. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I know now that indeed God is wonderful. And if he can do that, what can he do in me? And it reminded me that even when Jesus was on this earth, he never glorified himself. In John chapter 8, verses 21 through 30. Verse 21, then Jesus said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and will, and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he says, where I go, you cannot come. And he said to them, you are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Then they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge concerning you. But he who sent me is true. And I speak to the world. Those things which I heard from him, they did not understand that he spoke to them of the father. Then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself. But as my father taught me, I speak these things to you. I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that pleases him. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Jesus obeyed the God the Father as his Father and submitted himself. Was Jesus the Son of God? Yes. He was fully God and fully man. And when he was here, he obeyed his Father. As a follower of Jesus, who do we need to obey? God the Father. So as we follow after and as we do, and as we are living this life, learn to know the point of what exactly that is, of, of what really being a Christian really is. It's not the point of how many people get saved. It's not the point of how many people get baptized. It's how we allow Jesus to work in our lives and shine the life, not my light, but Jesus's light shines through us and learning to walk that and being that ministry of Jesus around. What's the takeaway? What's your takeaway? What's the takeaway of your life? Well, I spoke to this many people. That's uh, it's so awesome. I'm glad. I did so, I did this, blah, 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 blah. I, you know what? And that is awesome. That is really great that you had that opportunity. But what is the real takeaway from life? God did a wonderful thing in me. And because of what God did, we glorify God and I glorify God. 
And hopefully by that light shines out that people will see the light and come to know Jesus and come to know God the Father through Jesus. And they themselves get to know what God can do in their life. Because if God can do it in me, oh boy, he can do it in anybody. And that's the wonderful thing about how God is. And that's why I love worshiping him. Thank God for all the wonderful things that he does. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. I pray, Lord God, that as you reveal your son in us, may we glorify you. May we shine your light. May we allow the great changer of hearts to really, truly change our lives. And may we learn how to walk in those. And I pray, Lord God, that we may be encouraging to one another, that we may love one another, that we may share the love of Christ with one another. That you be glorified in our hearts and in our minds. In your name I pray. Amen.